Hello and welcome to the Future of Australia podcast. Here I interview the entrepreneurs running the fastest growing businesses in Australia. These interviews will be around the themes of entrepreneurship, new ideas, business, innovation, capitalism and successful enterprise being the motor that will drive Australia forward. I will be telling the stories of the people who are making it possible and as they grow and strive further will become a bigger and bigger part of Australia's future. My name is Derek Stewart, your host and the founder of Future of Australia. Check us out at futureofaustralia.com to learn more, subscribe to our newsletter, get exclusive content and ensure you never miss an episode. For questions or comments, email me at Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at futureofaustralia.com or you can call or text me on 0404-689-897. Welcome to episode 10 of the Future of Australia podcast. In this episode, I interview Richard Edelmuth, the founder and CEO of Pro Energy, a LED lighting manufacturer and installer. We discuss his background working in large shopping centres, both on the leasing side and retailing side, before the job market shifted suddenly. How taking a door-to-door, commission-only LED light sales role due to a lack of options paved the way to start his own business, despite never considering himself an entrepreneur. From commission-only sales to running an $11 million per year turnover business, which grew 82% last year, we cover the entire journey and the future. If you are a business or run a facility and are looking to reduce your energy consumption by up to 70% with significant decreases in electricity costs, check out proenergy.com.au. That's P-R-O. E-N-E-R-G-Y dot com dot A-U. Okay, I'm here with uh, Richard from Pro Energy. Thanks for coming on the show, Richard. Appreciate you having me on board. That's all right. So can you tell us what were you doing before you started Pro Energy? You know, what did you study? What types of companies or, or roles did you work in beforehand? So uh, born in South Africa and I immigrated when I was 21 years old. Started off studying at uh, started studying off in South Africa at a university called uh, um, I remember what it's called now, uh, Rao Academic University, where I was studying a commerce and sports management. At the time, Jerry Maguire was the hot topic. Everyone wanted to see the movie, and <laughs> I wanted to be that guy that said, "Show me the money." <laughs> Immigrated to Australia and went to, of which two years into a four-year degree and finished off at UTS with a business degree in commerce and exercise physiology. Never worked in it, never even used it. Um, Landed up getting my first gig at Westfield, starting off at head office in national marketing, where after two very short months, I was shipped off to Mount Druitt, where I looked after the marketing of development over there. Marketing was one thing. I enjoyed it, but I had enough of, should we say, being mocked and being asked, am I still playing with crayons? I wanted to do deals. I wanted the excitement of speaking to people of all shapes of, shapes of life and, you know, 
I wanted the excitement of doing the deal. I wanted to get into leasing. And unfortunately, Westfield couldn't facilitate that. And I took a job at Savills uh, in retail leasing. After about 12 months there, I guess I must have, should we say, turned the right heads and kicked the right guns. Hunted by a company called Specialty Fashion Group, the ladies' fashion, and I was offered the role of national leasing manager. When I took over, they had about 430-odd stores and about four brands. Okay. So spent, yeah. Yeah, so I was just going to say some interesting initial points there. Like, So obviously moving to a whole new continent on the other side of the world is a quite a big jump. So what made you want to move abroad and then sort of why Australia? Parents, my father got a job in Australia, gave me the option, you can move now or you can obviously stay with family and relatives and friends in South Africa and finish off your degree. But, uh, you know, I was very lucky. I came to Australia with a terrible attitude. You know, they beat us in soccer, they beat us in rugby, they beat us in cricket. Why would I want to move to Australia? <laughs> After a very short time, and thank God for the Olympics, I fell in love with Australia. It is undoubtedly the finest place in the world. And how else can I do it? You couldn't help but shout for Australia in that uh, medley against... America at the Olympics. I think I brought a tear to my mm. Okay, no, that's quite a, quite a move. And then, um, okay, so you're working at uh, Savills. So you're in real estate, you're doing commercial leasing deals. And then sort of what happened after that? Well, I guess I ended up doing two deals with Specialty Fashion Group and I came to their attention. Mm-hmm. And I got a phone call and I got an interview and... Three interviews later, I got offered a position by the CEO. And you know what? It's, some would say I moved from the dark side to the light side. You know, you're on the landlord moving to the retailer. <laughs> and I, I literally, it was the best move. I, retail, the retailer side is great. You know, it's, you've got, you're putting your time, your energy, and your love into a particular product and shift around from, should we say, from asset to asset. And I enjoyed it. I loved it. You know, I took over especially fashion group, they had 430 stores. And after five and a half years of there, I left that 800. I became the everywhere man. I probably covered every area of Australia, a fair chunk of New Zealand. And, um, you know, being a new immigrant, I was extremely lucky. Okay. And, and then how did you go from that to sort of starting your own business? Was Pro Energy the first company you had ever started yourself? No. From there, I got headhunted to a company called Diva, Ladies Costume Jewelry. Mm-hmm. It never worked out as planned. I lasted six months there. <laughs> and then, uh, let's just say retail, in plain and simple English, shat itself. And no one wanted a, you know, a high-paying or a high-flying general manager or someone at the top. And I needed to look for something else, something different. I went to go work in a catering arm, or should we say fast-moving consumer goods for a while, which I was there for 12 months with my parents' catering company, which, should we say, just ticked the boxes and allowed me to move on. And a mate of mine told me, listen, he's got a job in the LED world. I should come give it a crack. Um, At the time, my wife had just finished working. I had a daughter that was 
four days old, and I guess I needed something more. I needed to pay the expenses. I needed uh, service, service, uh, a mortgage, and everything else. And I took a job in the LED world in commission only. I spent twelve months not knowing what I'd get on a weekly or a monthly basis, but I was lucky. I kicked some goals, and I was driven. And I never gave up. And should we say when those doors were slammed in my face, it made me made me want it even more. And after 12 months, I had learned everything I needed to know. I had grasped the LED world. I grasped how everything worked. I started my own company with a mate, okay, called Pro Energy. Okay, so, so there was basically an opportunity, which again was a lot of hard work. But but what made you go? You'd been in these GM roles. Obviously, there were some missteps. How a, a lot of people, especially at that point in their career, aren't willing to go back to what sometimes seen like an entry level job, a commission only, door to door sales job. How were you able to, I guess, swallow some pride and, and go back to a, a sort of, you know, an entry-level role, but with a, bit, a lot of upside, I suppose? The best thing in the world happened to me. I was given no choice. <laughs> no one would offer me a job. And sometimes when that door is slammed in your face and you, you've got your back against the wall, you've got to come out fighting, and that's what I did. Mm. I've always been – I haven't ever been a risk-taker in my life. I've always enjoyed the fact knowing that I was taking um, X salary every single week. <coughs> I enjoyed knowing my life was set on the same path. I never saw myself as an entrepreneur, and I definitely never saw myself as, you know, taking a gamble to go into the commission only. But uh, as I said, sometimes in life, when you've got everything against you, you've got to come out fighting, and that's what I did. And then, of course, it sounds like you had a lot of success with it. You got some early wins. You built up momentum. You enjoyed it. You, again, the, the sort of gun-to-the-head motivation of life circumstances. Um, were you surprised kind of how big the market was for LED or, or how well you were selling it? Or, or I mean, were you sort of – was it a lot different to what you were anticipating? Let's put LEDs aside. I loved – for me, I have a passion of meeting people. There's nothing better than meeting people, hearing their story, hearing what makes them tick. And just, I like, I like being out in the open. So when, you know, wherever you look, whether you're looking at a retail store, a commercial office, a warehouse, a school, a home, there's lighting everywhere. I was blown away with the opportunity there was out there. And I guess, you know, I got one, I kicked one goal, I kicked two goals, and everything just came to flow. You know, I took on this gig, I took on the gig initially as, you know, commission only that I'd work maybe two days a week and I'd look for a job three days a week. But there was so much work and there was so much activity and so much excitement and so much questioning that the two days became three days, the three days became five days. I joke all the time, you know, I run marathons, I do a lot of running. If I wasn't looking up, if I wasn't looking at every building to see what light in they had, I'd probably be quicker. <laughs> All right, and so you, you did that, and you obviously you were selling, you were learning the business, and then how did you, like you said, you're not a risk taker, you weren't, didn't see yourself as an entrepreneur, how did you then make that jump to, I don't want to just sell it, I, I want to have my own business doing this and run the rest of the operation? 
I went out there and learned to be possible avenue. I'm the kind of guy that asks why. Why, 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 why? And when I get an answer, why, I want to know why. And, you know, the more I learn and I learned more and I learned more, and I sat back and truth be told, I thought the guy that I was working for was 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 a nothing. And I thought, you know what, I don't really want to work for him. My wife's given me the biggest back in the world. She said to me, you know what, you've got to go out there, find your place. You know, we can always make anything work. So I've got to thank her for that. And I took the gamble. You know, I took whatever money I had to buy some stock. I went out there and made the deals with the suppliers. And I backed myself. And with a partner, you know, he looked after admin and he looks after finance. Mm -hmm. I look after the sales, the marketing, and the advertising. We've really made it work. Um, I always mock him, or he always mocks me, that I've got to stop doing deals so he can go and hover that. <laughs> and so, again, it's been a huge success. You, you grew your revenue 82% last financial year uh, to do over 11 million turnover, which is a big percentage, but also a, quite a large base. Um, you know, so, so what was the driver behind that sort of rapid growth? Um, and, and what sort of changed as, as you grew so suddenly? both for the better and for the worse? You know what? LEDs, I'm honestly, firstly, we've grown as a company. Right now, we employ 12 people. So we've really grown, and obviously, the more people you take on, your sales does go through. But my guys are out there, and the education I'm giving them again and again and again is you're not out there to sell LEDs. You're there to educate the public. You're there to pass on as much knowledge as you can and through knowledge and through education, you're going to sell because people are going to want more and more and more. And it's worked. You know, yes, at the moment, my business may be energy efficiency, but really is selling LEDs. But we do get involved in helping customers understand what they can do with their electricity bills because once your LEDs have been installed, there's more to do and there's more ways to cut energy. And the other side, you know, we get asked all the time, what can we do? Is it worthwhile looking at solar? So we've dabbled a little bit in the solar side. Um, we've just, we've gone everywhere. We were only focused in New South Wales. We now do both Queensland, South Australia, and Victoria, and we supplied New Zealand. Now, when it, where, there's, where there's a want, there's a will, and you're just going to make it happen. And so how did sort of the business change? Like you said, you're bringing on sales guys, you're training them, you've got the admin and finance partner. How did sort of the, the overall, I guess, your day-to-day, as, as a business grew, how did that sort of change for you as a business owner? My day-to-day is changing drastically every single day. Beforehand, when I had two people in the office, you know, we took it an office that was 90-odd square metres, and two of us with two desks, I had to do the sales, my partner had to do the admin. Now, all of a sudden, I've got sales guys that are reporting to me, I don't do that many sales anymore. I've learned my entire role is based around culture, man management, and my partner mocks me all the time. I'm pretty much a psychologist. In terms of sort of solving HR issues and client issues and that sort of thing? Solving, well, solving personal issues, you know, with I have to drive my sales force to go out there and get deals. I have to drive my sales force to, to meet the right people. I have to go out there and do the introductions. You know, I'll go out there and meet a big corporate company. 
I'm meeting the guy at the top, whether it be the CEO, the managing director, the general manager, whoever it may be. I'm selling the dream of pro energy. The two of us are never going to do a deal. From there, it facilitates down further to the facility managers at the individual centers or the operation managers at particular buildings. And that's where my guys come in. I make sure that they order it right. You know, we've taken on, we've got two operations managers that work for us. And all they do is they go from site to site. They do a lot of the audits for me. My role of doing the deals, you know, yes, I do the big deals and I still, what drives me is doing the deals. I get excited. But even more so, I get excited when my sales guys go out there and do the deals as well. And so I imagine in some way, do you see them as sort of a younger version of yourself? They're sort of driven and ambitious and they're going door to door and they're, um, what sort of future pathway do you see for them and for the sort of, I guess, the growth of your supporting team? Well, every salesman is pretty much driven by dollars. More money they make, the happier they are. I have no net above their heads. The more they sell, the more they earn. And I encourage my guys, okay, you know, I'm, a, I'm a still a young company. I mean, we, we're not even talking five years yet. You know, there's, there's six sales guys that I've got working underneath me. I'm hoping within the next year, the six sales guys can all take a junior or take two juniors or three juniors. And exactly like I've given them the opportunity, they can give these juniors the opportunity and they can reap the, and they, and they can reap the reward. You know, I put back to every single one of my sales guys that every single week they need to turn around and say, okay, they're running their own business. Have they done a deal that can pay for the water, pay for the electricity, pay for the admin, pay for this and pay and, and pay for everything. They're running their own company. All I am, I'm their bank. I just facilitate it. That's all I am. Hmm. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting sort of structure. Um, so I think in the, the sort of public and mass media, there's often the environment is sort of sometimes debated from sort of two sides. And one seems to be a bit of a um, sort of anti-business side where people say what, you know, the businesses are ruining the environment. We need to sort of, you know, regulate more and sort of force better environmental behaviours. And then the other side is sort of, you know, suggesting that business and capitalism and innovation like what you're doing and Tesla and these other things, they are the solution to the environmental problems, like a market-driven solution. So being in this industry where there's sort of government regulation but also incentives but, you know, running a a for-profit business, how do you interpret these debates and in terms of, again, energy um, and environmental sort of issues? It's a very interesting discussion this one, okay, that one that comes up again and again and again. And um, I've realised that, unfortunately, in Australia, other success is often condemned and not applauded where it should be. You know, um, environment is always at the forefront of our business and a lot of businesses, okay, and... As we continue to grow and as we get bigger, and please God, I'm getting bigger and bigger all the time, too often we're going to be frowned upon and not applauded, which is a killer. It's it's a real hurt. And unfortunately, perhaps, you know, whether it be the poor poppy syndrome or I'm not sure what it is, but it's it always comes up again and again in business. But the only thing I can turn around and say is, you know, Pro Energy is first and foremost an LED business. 
but we saved thousands and thousands of dollars for companies Australia-wide. Every single light that we remove, predominantly fluorescent lighting, is recycled, okay, which is a huge thing. We, every company that we put a proposal forward to, all we do is focus on an energy breakdown. At no stage we focus on maintenance, which if you could focus on maintenance, that's a reason to go LED on its own. Um, the company doesn't grow by marketing advertising. Our marketing advertising is zero budget. We've grown by references, which means that we're making people extremely happy. You know, the last time the phone rang, it never. Literally years, all my sales guys, they've all got mobile numbers. I've got mobile numbers. They're coming directly to us. Why? Because someone has said, ProEnergy did a terrific job. You need to phone these guys. We also educate. We're growing. We, we're educating our guys again and again. And I guess the critical factor, which I'm happy with and I'm proud of, if we look at the amount of lights that we've changed over the last five years, we've practically taken two and a half million tons of carbon dioxide out of Australia, which is more or less taking 400,000 cars off the road, which as far as I'm concerned is a huge statement and shows that at the forefront is the environment at every single time. Yeah, and do you find some people are sort of surprised that they can help their business, like you said, saving money and being more efficient as well as helping the environment and that those things can actually sort of work together at the same time and not be opposites? Well, the environment is at the forefront of every business on a bigger scale. When you deal with, when you deal with the small ones too often, unfortunately, they don't really care about the environment. They're only interested in how's it going to affect their shoes, how's it going to affect their pockets. But on the big businesses, the big businesses deal with something called neighbors rating all the time. And a lot of, you know, worldwide businesses like Google, like Microsoft, like Tesla, you name it, these businesses will only take up offices if the actual building has a five-star neighbor rating. And the only way they can get a neighbor rate, a five-star neighbor's rating, is to have LEDs, to have the right shower heads, to have sensors, to, you know, there's so many things that come into getting a neighbor's rating. All your big companies have no choice but to, you know, create a sustainability team. And that's when, you know, they work with companies like ourselves. Hmm. And, and you mentioned another interesting point about people in Australia sometimes being sort of anti-success or the, the sort of tall poppy syndrome. Sort of what, what trends are you seeing in entrepreneurship and, and business within Australia? You know, what are we doing well and, and where are we not doing so well? It's a hard one because I don't really know the outside world. But, you know, I just think to myself, a major – we need to – we need to promote it more. You know, if you, everyone talks about San Francisco being the, the, the tech capital of the world, and you see how many, you know, look at Facebook. You know, he was a multi-billionaire by the age of 21. All you do is you care about these, these geniuses, these youngsters that are creating apps, that are starting their own companies, that are doing this and doing that. You don't hear a lot coming out of Australia. You really don't, unless I'm wrong. Yes, there's some fantastic companies there that have really, you know, at university they started a company and they've grown. They've become multinational companies. They've become worldwide companies. 
But do we promote it enough in Australia? I don't know. You know, we, when you're young, take the plunge. You know, right now I have kids, I have I have a wife, I have mortgage, I have, you know, there's so many things that I have to worry about. It's hard to become an entrepreneur. When you're, when you're young, take the plunge. You've got nothing to lose. The worst happens is you move back in with your parents. So what about like um, the the young sales guys that you have? And again, they're like you said, they're kind of running their own business within the business. Of course, you filter for people with the right attitude, but do you find it hard to get people that are sort of self-starters and driven and, and willing to take responsibility or, or do you not find that an issue at all when you get the right people and you, you know, coach them up to the role? Finding the right people is probably the hardest part of my job. I wish that I could grow my business. I wish that the right, right people were banging down the door because the opportunity of getting involved in energy efficiency, getting involved in NED is is ridiculous. As I said, wherever you look, there's lights. So wherever you look, there's a potential sale. So the opportunities is is absurd. My issue is finding the right people, finding the right people, people that are motivated enough to go out there and succeed. Anyone comes to me and says, I want a $150,000 base, I'm not interested. A salesperson needs to gamble a little, they need to know every single day they've got to go out there and do a deal so they can eat. And those are the people that I want. I want the people that are hungry. I want the people that when they've done a deal, they're not going to settle, they want two deals. When they've done two deals, they're going to want four deals. I want the people that they're going to have fun. They're not coming to work. Every single day they come into play. That's what life's about. You spend more time at work, you spend more time with your work colleagues, you enjoy with your own family. So you've got to have a good time doing so. And that's and, and, and that's the culture that I want to bring into my business is that, you know, we have a lot of fun, but fun comes to hard, hard work. Yeah, I think that's a really good description. So hopefully if there's anyone listening who matches those uh, attributes and those life goals that they can reach out to you. So, so speaking again of sort of young people, what advice would you give yourself? If you're talking to your 20-year-old self where obviously you don't know what the future is going to hold but knowing now and looking back, what would you tell sort of the, the 20-year-old version of you? You know, and I... I immigrated when I was 21, so I had no choice. You know, moving into a new country, I had no choice but to move in with the parents, and I knew nothing about here. You know, what did I know from Australia? I had no context. If I'd been living in Australia my whole life, and, you know, I was going to university, my university, I had to study, no one works hard at university. Oh, I shouldn't say that too loud. <laughs> no, yes, you work hard, but you've always got time to do something outside. Hmm. You know, whether it be traveling or who knows what you want to do. If your passion is to, to travel, think to yourself, how are you going to travel and make money doing so? Don't just be a travel agent. If you're traveling the world, do something that's going to make money. If your passion is, who knows, is sport, how are you going to make money loving your passion? Why ask that question? Because right now, you don't have a lot of expenses. Your biggest expense is where you're going to buy a beer from on a Friday night. So go out there and take a gamble because you know what? If it wins, you've been buying beers for the entire pub. 
And so you mentioned we didn't have a chance to circle back to it, but you mentioned when you're really interested in being a sports agent. So do you still have that passion for sport? And was there ever a point where you ex- experimented or, or thought about going into that sort of sports agency world? I've always got that passion for sport. I'm an avid Liverpool supporter. And when I watch my side play soccer, uh, it feels like I'm in the TV. It feels like I'm managing them. It feels like I know more than the manager. I'm always giving my advice, although no one listens. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and what no. about the next um, the next five to ten years for Pro Energy? You, you've got a lot of momentum. You're, you're growing. And like you said, it's a massive opportunity, that the space that you're in and the future – where do you see Pro Energy in five to ten years, or where are you aiming towards? So, as I said, we're a new business. We haven't quite hit that that first yet, that first should we say five. We haven't quite hit that threshold yet, but we've already taken a major leap. A major leap in December last year, we bought our supplier. So now we look after the procurement and the manufacturing of our goods as well. So basically, everything from ground up through to the installation, the entire process comes through Pro Energy. That was our first major step. And what that does is that now we, we once upon a time, we were reliant on the hands out from the government. You know, the government was giving a lot of money out there to, to encourage businesses to go LED. When that tap eventually switches off, we know we now, by having this company that procures and manufactures their own goods, we've got something to fall back on. We're not just a company that relies on that government handout. And the first thing we're doing is creating what we call a black range. And the black range is the prestigious range. It's that range above your standard. So if I was going to go to, you know, a Louis Vuitton, or most recently we've done, we want to tender at Guess. We did the very first guest rollout. Mm-hmm. We're providing that five-star, that quality product that no one else has. And that's the direction that we see going. So this was your previously your main supplier and sort of manufacturer, and then you were reselling it. And then you got to the point where, again, you saw the future and obviously you had the capital to purchase that. And then now you're running a, a sort of overseeing a, a manufacturing facility? So... Indirectly correct. So we've got we're keeping those two separate businesses. Pro Energy runs the 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 installation, the the accreditation, and every other part of it. Well, this other side, which is Syntec, they organise and manufacture the procurement. So if I had, you know, if I was working with 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 a customer that wanted something different, we have the opportunity to create something different. As well, so yeah, so the customization, as well as like you're saying, you know, brand new thing concepts which no one else has because you're sort of manufacturing them in house. Correct. We can we can come up with anything. If you've got the idea, we can facilitate it as long as it works in both our favors. And then in like again, looking sort of five or ten years out, are you looking to keep that same model? And just increase your distribution internationally or, or you, around Australia, or are you looking to focus more on the manufacturing and sign up more sort of um, installers and resellers? Or well, listen, at, at this stage, one step at a time. Mm-hmm. Predominantly, our focus has always been, you know, speaking from a syntech point of view, which is manufacturing arm. 
they've been very much based around people like ourselves that work within the government scheme. Now, all of a sudden, we want to provide these products to electricians. You know, wherever you look, there's there's thousands and thousands of electricians out there. They don't need to go through the wholesalers. They can come directly to us. Okay, so at the moment, most of your clients are sort of like a large gym, a hotel, a, a shopping center, sort of common area, um, or large, you know, I guess public areas. Um, so then a separate expansion, like you said, is selling direct as a manufacturer direct to electricians rather than them having to go through a, a wholesaler. Sure, and, and new builds. You know, Power Energy doesn't do any new builds. You know, you've got new hotels that are coming up. We don't get it because it's such a cutthroat environment. You know, dealing with the builder, everything comes down to the lowest of margin. With Syntec, okay, we now have the opportunity to get involved in a new build where, you know, the dollars and the cents make a huge difference and you don't have to include the middleman. Yeah, and you've um, had, obviously, like you said, a retail and been in fashion and other sort of businesses. How are you finding the, the manufacturing business, being in that business? You need to ask me that question in about 12 months' time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just put it this way. At the moment, we've bought a business, but we've kept on one of the directors mm-hmm. that understands that arm. We've only had it for not even six months. There's still so much for us to learn. Okay, excellent. So a lot of exciting times ahead, definitely. So I just, hope so. <laughs> bigger and better things. Yeah. So before I let you go, is there any final comments? Again, you've had a lot of really good advice and I think interesting insights on your own journey. Um, any, any final comments you'd like to leave um, the audience? Maybe, again, other business owners or or just other people out there that are interested in business, what would you like to sort of say as final words? You know, when when I was retrenched or when I was, you know, as you say, left the retail world, I found that a lot of people closed the door on me and didn't give me the opportunity to, you know, to meet for a coffee, to, to part on a lot of advice. As an entrepreneur, as someone that's, been in that position where they don't know where the next dollar is going to come from and, and it's frightened and scared more than anything, my door is always open. I want to speak to as many people. I want to learn from as many people. If the opportunity is there for me to help or to aid or to guide or to you know encourage or if you've got the passion and the excitement and the culture but you don't know which direction to do, come and chat to me. Maybe there's an opportunity here. Excellent. Thank you so much, Richard. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. I would really appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and leave a review. Better yet, tell a friend about it who you think may enjoy the content and get something useful out of it. Feedback, comments, likes or dislikes, you can reach me by emailing Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at futureofaustralia.com or you can call or text me on 0404 689 897. Thank you.